Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday night. A new week, a new episode of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Uh, tonight's recommended drink, Mexican beer. Tonight's recommended snack, homemade beef tacos. Left overnight, then reheated in the microwave so the taco shell gets all soggy and shit. That's what we're chowing down on today. Thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bubba, hopefully with you for the next couple of hours or so. We'll see how we go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you did, if you didn't, that's okay. You probably don't want to share this show out. I wouldn't share this show out if I were you. I definitely wouldn't share this show out if I were you. In fact, I would, I would specifically and deliberately advise people in the chat not to share the show out because that's the last thing I want you to do. Thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I certainly did. Lovely weekend. A nice, relaxing weekend. Yes, I'm eating healthy today. Reheated tacos. Thank, thank you for the Diamond Gypsy. Where did you steal the Diamond Gypsy? Thank you so much for the Diamonds, UK Neil. Uh, if you just missed it, UK Neil was on just before me. Doing a great job on DLive. DLive.tv slash UK Neil 1979, I think it is. It was a hell of a year. Uh, going over some of the Brexit stuff, playing some of the old classics from some of our favourite politicians in the old dart. Uh, <laughs> fantastic stuff, Neil. Keep it up. Doing great. Preserve your reputation. Do not share this show. <laughs> Space Force droid with the Ninja Gini dropping a Gini in my lap. Thank you very much. I'm most undeserving. Uh, but I will accept your generosity with humility as always, and it is always appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to drop it, if you would like to talk about my guinea, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. If we could just spare a moment for Gypsy in the chat, Gypsy, uh, very loyal listener in here all the time. Uh, obviously has a very boring life, not much going on in Gypsy's world, so she joins us every day. So hi, Gypsy. <laughs> yes, I'm even a jerk when I'm doing nice things. If we could spare a thought for our friend in the chat, Gypsy, who uh, was going through some health problems over the weekend. So I don't know, if you want to put some good vibes up into the universe or say a prayer or whatever the hell you do, if you want to rub two crystals together, um, if you want to make love to a tree, which some people enjoy doing, Whatever it takes to get some positive energy out there in the world for our friend Gypsy in the chat. I don't know where she got the health problems or where she stole the health problems or whom she stole the health problems from, but she's got them. So spare a thought for our friend Gypo. Um, so much to get through, ladies and gentlemen. So much to get through. If I could just very quickly, um, I'm not a big fan of NFL 
I used to watch it a lot when I was younger, but that's when the Buffalo Bills were a good team. So that's how long ago it was. <laughs> it's a long fucking time ago. Uh, and they're not a good team anymore. I don't even know if they are a team anymore. To be fair. <laughs> they made four Super Bowls in a row and lost all four of them. Um, but just a quick word of congratulations for the Kansas City Chiefs. Very, very good. Very well done. I watched the last quarter and I just want to say it's about time that the American Indians got themselves a win. Mm. For too long, the American Indians have been oppressed by the white man. For too long, the American Indians have had their land stolen, their culture stolen, their heritage stolen. And it's about time that the indigenous people of the United States rose up and took something back off the white man because for too long... Sorry? Sorry, what was that? Oh. I'm, I'm just being told my by my producer they're not actually American Indians. Ah. Oh. oh. Oh, it's just the team name. Oh, right. Oh, okay, well, there you go. I had no idea. Well, I'd like to apologize to the American Indians for somebody, for some more white people and black people uh, stealing your culture and your heritage and claiming a win under your banner. That must be awful. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was obviously very happy, though. They are a credit to her people. So well done, Elizabeth Warren. Your guys got in. And congratulations. I would like to mirror the sentiment of uh, the President, Donald Trump. Congratulations to the great state of Kansas. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. All the people in Kansas are like, what? What, what did we do? <laughs> Although it is kind of redundant, isn't it, to have Kansas City in a different state? I, I get it. I get his point, right? Thank you for the diamond wire censored. I kind of get where he's coming from. Wait, Kansas City is in another state other than Kansas? Why the hell would they do that? Isn't that insulting? <laughs> the city named after the state is not in the state that it's named after. I don't know. Figure it out. You figure it out. So well done to the Missouri, is it the Missouri Chiefs. Well done. So much to get through. So little time. Uh, we are going to get on. I put a tweet out earlier um, yesterday, actually, talking about some new developments in the realm of facial recognition technology and it's pretty fucking horrifying stuff i've got to say there's not a lot that we will cover on this show that you know i i get offended by or i start you know i tw you know twiddle my thumbs over there's nothing really that we cover on this show i actually look forward to bringing you things that you will find disgusting and you'll quit the channel and unsubscribe and never come back like i that's my pleasure in life like I said, I'm kind of a jerk. So when I come across things that will, you know, offend, frighten, uh, make your stomach churn, I, I'm very eager to bring it to you. Here, here, look at this. I don't want to look at it. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> Hold your eyes open while I do it. Uh, so today is going to be one of those occasions. But before we get into any of that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's show, by the way, dlive.tv slash boogie bumper or the link down below streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper irrational times is in the chat on youtube if you haven't subscribed to irrational times do so uh head over to youtube.com i think it's dot com irrational times or just put irrational times 
in the search box. I was in Irrational Times' uh, chat yesterday during the Super Bowl, and it was the real big game. We're talking fun, interactive YouTube game shows that you can play at home with the whole family. A bit of music trivia, a bit of guessing games. It was fantastic. It's good, wholesome family fun. So do subscribe to Irrational Times over on YouTube. So like I said, we're going to get to the facial recognition stuff. But our first story, I want to cover a bit of the coronavirus. It's actually going to lead into it. So let's rock and roll. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Our first item this evening that I bring for your consideration, ladies and gentlemen, coronavirus. French Asians hit back at racism with, I am not a virus. I am not a virus. French Asians have taken to social media to complain of a backlash against them in response to the Chinese coronavirus outbreak. China has seen almost 6,000 cases and 132 deaths. You can tell that this article is over a week old because that number has doubled now on both on both counts. It's now over 12,000 and the confirmed deaths are over 300. So that's how quickly things are moving along in this story. And France has had four cases confirmed. Anti-Asian racism has been reported in the UK and elsewhere, and now French Asians have complained of abuse on public transport and social media, ladies and gentlemen. Because we all know that the most important thing during a potentially deadly uh, epidemic, a potentially deadly viral outbreak, which crosses continents thanks to government's inactivity, thanks to governments not willing to do things like, say, basic quarantining, in the first two weeks after the uh, outbreak was announced, we all know that the most important priority in times like this is to make sure that people don't have bad feelings, to make pe- to make sure that people don't get their feelings hurt. That's the real responsibility of Western governments now. That's the real responsibility of the average citizen now, is to make sure that nobody gets their feelings hurt. Of course, we all know that. We're very empathetic people in the West. There was an outcry when local newspaper Le Courier Picard used the inflammatory headlines Alerte Jean, Yellow Alert, which is pretty funny, and Le Peril Jean, Yellow Peril, complete with an image of a Chinese woman wearing a protective mask. The paper quickly apologised, saying it had not meant to use some of the worst Asian stereotypes. Stéphane Nivet head of LICRA, the International League Against Racism and Anti-Semitism, that's quite a mouthful, that's a lot to put on a business card, said no newspaper would have dared use the headline Black Alert, so it was clear there was a problem. They would use White Alert, though, to be fair, about white hot rage, white lash. So come on. As the hashtag spread, one woman, Kathy Tran, described hearing two men on her way to work in the eastern town of Colmar saying, watch out, a Chinese girl is coming our way. So as you, as you can plainly see, ladies and gentlemen, uh, racism is the big issue when it comes to the outbreak of the coronavirus. Found this interesting. This was on Al Jazeera TV, ladies and gentlemen, which is the premier cable news service of the Middle East and the premier cable news service of the Middle East for Western audiences. This is the cable news service that is based in the Middle East, which is presented to you, right? So... They're obviously very upset about the racism as well, as you can imagine. The racist angle behind China 
uh, coronavirus epidemic. Let's have a look. The World Health Organization says it doesn't recommend trade and travel restrictions in the wake of the outbreak. But that hasn't stopped at least 22 countries from imposing... The world... Was it the World Health Organization or the World Trade Organization? I have to go back and listen again. It says it doesn't recommend trade and travel... The World Health Organization says it doesn't recommend trade and travel restrictions in the wake of the outbreak. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Is the World Health Organization, are there any doctors working at the World Health Organization or are, are we just talking about bureaucrats here? Genuine question. Are there any doctors in, is there a doctor in the office? Is there a doctor anywhere in the house? Because I'm pretty sure like a regular shitty GP would advise people if they have flu-like symptoms to, you know, not mingle with other people who aren't infected, would generally advise people, you know, don't go into work because you're probably going to infect everybody. They might even say you should consider quarantining yourself potentially. Quarantine yourself away from the other people. But the premier health organisation on planet Earth says, no, 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 fuck that. You make sure you get on a plane, mix with as many people as possible, rub your face in the buffet if you can, make sure you shake hands with everybody you meet, and if you come across somebody who's a little standoffish, don't forget to accuse them of being racist. <laughs> because that's the main concern. That's the thing that we should all be worried about the most. But that hasn't stopped at least 22 countries from imposing some form of travel restrictions mm. on people coming from China. They include the United States, Israel, the Philippines, Australia, Singapore, Malaysia. So, yeah, Australia did. Uh, at the end of last week, the Australian Prime Minister came out and announced that Yes, we will be putting a restriction on people travelling back to Australia from China. It's like, okay, great. Common sense. Common sense stuff. Sorry. It doesn't strike me as particularly racist when, again, we're dealing with a potential viral epidemic breaking out, but whatever. Common sense stuff, but two weeks late. (laughs) Two weeks late. In that time, we've been taking around 40 plane loads of people per day from China. So you're talking around, you know, 450 planes thereabouts full of people from China coming from China to Australia. Like I said on the show last week, because universities are about to go back, they're back now. The foreign student program is the third biggest industry in Australia money-wise. And I suspect that they had to let all of these students come back before they, they turn the floodgates off, right? Before they shut down the airports. Because otherwise, we're talking about millions of dollars going down the gurgler. We can't have that. We need that. We need that Chinese cash. As long as you hand it to me whilst you're wearing rubber rubber gloves, then it's fine. (laughs) But otherwise, don't do it. So as you can see here, the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Well, no, sorry, not Canada. Pardon me. Not Canada. (laughs) Thanks, Canada, for nothing. Canada hasn't put a ban on Just We're just talking about the racist countries here. You know what I mean? The United States, Australia, New Zealand, of course. Very racist country. Asia, Vietnam, New Zealand. Vietnam. And North Korea, Indonesia. <laughs> do, do they really have to announce a travel ban in North Korea? Isn't that kind of standard? <laughs> and Iraq, which have issued temporary travel bans on people travelling or transmitting, or transiting rather, 
from the mainland. Right. China's neighbors like Russia, Mongolia and Nepal are closing their borders and checkpoints, while others are introducing stricter controls. Stricter controls. And while Singapore, Vietnam, Even a little Mozambique Russia, getting on the action. Bangladesh, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. And Mozambique have temporarily stopped issuing visas to Chinese nationals. Right. Nearly 40 airlines from across the world have stopped or partially suspended mm -hmm. operations to and from China. Something else appears to be spreading fast to communities, big and small, due to ignorance and misinformation. Oh, and what might that be? What is spreading faster than the virus? Not due to hygiene, not due to, you know, bacteria, not due to uh, potentially infected people mixing with the non-infected people. What could possibly be spreading quicker than the virus due to ignorance and misinformation, I wonder? Andrew Chappelle has more. Yes, tell us more, please. The coronavirus outbreak has led to complaints about a rise in anti-Chinese sentiment. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's something, there's something that I find... It's almost like a practical joke. You know, it, it, remember the good old days of like five years ago when it was a meme to say everything is racist, right? We used to say that jokingly about people who used to complain a lot about things that probably aren't the biggest issues facing modern society. You know what I mean? We used to say everything is racist. <laughs> That's a funny meme. No, no, no. Now we, now we really are at the stage where everything is racist. If you're a little apprehensive, ladies and gentlemen, about a, a quote, potentially deadly virus spreading in your neighbourhood, that's just racism. That's the way racism manifests itself, you see. Your job is to shut up, pretend like nothing is happening, and if you die, then at least you wouldn't have offended anybody, you see. Around the world. In France, for example, the hashtag I am not a virus, oh, I am is not a virus. to share stories of bullying in schoolyards and yep. city streets mm -hmm. and of hostile treatment by the media. Mm. A regional newspaper has had to apologize for this headline that pretty funny. used the phrase yellow alerts, while scenes like this one you're about to see here are widespread of people appearing to cover their face just because they're sitting next to someone who's... <laughs> so why then do all the... Um you know, why then do all the Asian tourists cover their face with those masks anyway? Like, generally speaking, when they walk around big cities like Sydney, for example. You've got health experts and governments saying, wear a mask, Wait, make sure you wear a mask, please wear a mask, uh, do the right thing, keep yourself safe, wear a mask. And then you have Al Jazeera TV showing somebody covering their face saying, look at this racist person. <laughs> look at this awful, disgusting fucking racist, would you? She's covering her face. How dare you? Take that mask off, Nazi, and breathe in the fumes. <sighs> Don't you want to prove that you're a good person? Don't you want to prove that you're a nice person? You disgusting bigot. I was in the metro going to work and I sat down on the seat. Mm -hmm. Then the person sitting next to me moved over by a few centimetres. Oh. If he could have moved a few metres, he would have, oh. but at least it was just a few centimetres. <laughs> Are you paying attention? I sat down on the subway 
the guy sitting next to me moved over a few centimeters. Do you know how much? You know how much a few centimeters is? It's it's very it's fuck all really. It's not a lot at all. The guy could have just been shifting in his seat. You know what I mean? He moved over a few centimetres. Therefore, everybody's racist. He then covered his mouth with a scarf. Uh, I'm shocked and speechless. Yep. I didn't know why and I didn't want to fan the flames, so I didn't mm. say anything. Good. But I really wanted to tell him that what he'd done wasn't okay. It's the first time that's happened to me. We've seen the awakening of a latent racism, which we already knew was there, but which... <laughs> it's a meme now. The worst part about the coronavirus outbreak is the uh, it's empowering racists. That's the worst part. It is now completely out in the open with words and behaviour that are disrespectful, impolite or even clearly racist. And media outlets across Europe and Australia are facing criticism for cartoons and headlines that reinforce old anti-Asian stereotypes. Right. As our businesses like this nail salon in Vietnam, which has banned <laughs> their Chinese customers. Now, these stories naturally make people feel very uncomfortable mm. and unwelcome. Why is that? Why would stories like this make people feel uncomfortable? Could it potentially be because the media is so concerned with calling people racist, perhaps? Could that be it? Could that be it? Could that have anything to do with it, do you think? Hmm in their own communities. Brian Levin is the director of the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism oh, at God. California State University, oh, San just Bernardino. What we yeah. He says that ignorance and misinformation about the coronavirus has a big part to play. Okay, let's go to California for a, professor's, uh, a, prof for a professor from the Center of Studying Hate and Extremism. Let's see what this guy's got to say. Prejudice works with regard to its depth so some people might just be honestly fearful but ignorant and uh -huh. in a very tribal and polarized time. Fearful but ignorant. Ignorant of what exactly? Ignorant of what? This is the problem. It's all mixed messages, right? It's all mixed messages. <laughs> the, the, the same World Health Organization is saying that there is a potentially global health crisis, right? Biolabs are now urgently, they, this is the kind of language they're using in their own press releases. Biolabs are now urgently trying to come up with uh, vaccines to combat this potentially deadly worldwide epidemic. People know that it comes from China. People know that their own governments did not stop people coming out of the potentially infected area. I'm, I'm looking for the ignorance part. They don't say, what are you ignorant of, right? Oh, there's a lot of ignorance out there. Ignorance about what? Um, uh, people's feelings? You racist? <laughs> right? Where the information flow hmm. sometimes is stovepiped, where people are talking to other conspiracists. Uh, cons conspiracy theories, ladies and gentlemen. Ignorant people. Uh, and what Conspiracy theorists and ignorant racists. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have thought that there was any conspiracy theory here necessarily. But when I see people on media come out and say things like, if you believe that uh, quarantining is a logical, you know, practical thing to do until... Uh, you know, health organisations get a grip on what's actually happening there. 
And when you call pe- those people racists and ignorant and fear mongers and conspiracy theorists, it's only because of your reaction. It's only because you're saying that, that I now start to question it. Because we know that terms like fear monger, racist, conspiracy theorist and ignorant are generally used more often than not to shut down discussion, to shut down debate, to shut down a line of questioning. And I can't help but think, "Mm, I've seen this happen before somehow. I've seen this movie multiple times in the past. Haven't you? What we've learned is that if people feel fear, we have we have three parts of prejudice. One is the, the, the cognitive, how we experience and perceive something. The other is how emotionally we feel about it. And then how do we behaviorally respond to it? And unfortunately... See, uh, uh, the emotional, right. Oh, you're being too emotional. I would have thought uh, quarantining people was the unemotional thing to do. I would have thought that was the logical thing to do. For me, the emotional thing is pretending like nothing's happening, pretending like everything's okay, when clearly it's not, for the sake of keeping people happy, for the sake of not offending people. That's the emotional part. See how everything gets reversed in this universe? If you don't do the emotional thing, they accuse you of being too emotional. When there's a a surfeit of ignorance, uh, that will allow, that will be like a funnel that will allow these other negative stereotypes uh, to take root. It's, it's a word salad. When the, the cone of ignorance funnels in negative stereotypes and there's an information stovepiping effect because people are only mixing with other racists and conspiracy theorists. Ugh. That will be in the show notes just like everyone else. Let me show you this video. Because we're, because we're all ignorant, because we... Uh, only talking with conspiracy theorists. This video was released by the Australian taxpayer-funded media company, the ABC, okay? So the same people who would say, don't talk, don't use conspiracy theory, don't talk to racists, forget about that wacky alternative media out there on the internet, forget about those crazy nutjobs, only stick with trusted sources, like, for example, the government-funded media, of course. It was very trusted source. They release this. So obviously it's all ignorance, it's all fear-mongering, it's all conspiracy theory, all right? Got to go to work and um, it's going to be on the day. It's a really, really cold morning. It's very cold this morning. There's really not many cars anywhere. As you can see, there's no cars on the road. Anxiety and isolation are now part of the daily routine at the epicentre of the outbreak. I I thought it was all just racism. I thought it was ignorance. I thought it was conspiracy theory. Anxiety, fear. (sighs) These are just just concocted realities of the far right, ladies and gentlemen. Remember the clip we watched last week of Wuhan? It looks like the end of the fucking world there. It looks like a ghost town, right? Look at this place. This city is uh, usually populated with 30 million people, which is more than the entire population of my country. Much more. Just stay at home. People just stay at home. They've put some uh, rubbish bins to stop the cars going in and out. The city is blockading streets with rubbish bins, ladies and gentlemen. It's all just conspiracy theory. It's all fear-mongering. It's all racism. 
Japan, a city That's the real story here, is the racism. ...of 11 million has been in lockdown for the past week. Well, so they, they're saying 11 million. The, the chap we watched last week who lives there said 30 million, so I don't know now. Yeah, the roads are pretty empty. Just like car, really. Australian Ruby Severino works as a horse trainer and arriving at the stables every day, his temperature is checked for signs of the virus. <laughs> Everybody gets checked. <clears throat> and this is the crazy part. So people going to work at the horse racing facility, because as you know, we've got to protect our multi-million dollar investment, that being the horses. <laughs> hey, a lot of people who own yachts have spent a lot of money on these racehorses to win money. So you better not come in here with the sniffles, all right? You better not come in here running a temperature. So they scan the people going in to work with the horses, to shovel horse shit in the stable. You have to be checked. But it took Western governments, and still governments like Canada, it took them two weeks to even do basic rudimentary checks of people flying in from this part of the world to other countries. Oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. Here, hand them a pamphlet. Here's a hotline you can call. We can't do, we can't do health checks on people coming in. Why, that would be racist. Right. Before the training center, we have to go into this ultraviolet room. And along with the other workers, he's disinfected in a special room with UV light. <laughs> in the training center, we don't, we don't have many. We haven't had any case, and everyone. Oh, there's a lot of coughing in that room, huh? Follow the, follow the rules really strictly. But I wouldn't say we're not scared. Everybody's scared, you know. Who's not scared? So. Rui speaks Mandarin. Number <laughs> path. I just asked my staff if um, he's scared. Is it? Who's not scared? Everybody's scared. It's all fear mongering, guys. It's all conspiracy theory. It's all racism. Quick reminder: this was the Australian taxpayer-funded media organisation known as the ABC. Yet another right-wing conspiracy website, of course. There are now cases in at least 16 countries, including Australia. Mm -hmm. This week, experts discovered the virus is more contagious than first thought. Oh, yeah. Did, did, did anybody see the news last week where the Chinese Health Administration came out and said, uh, by the way, if your relatives have died from coronavirus, we advise that you not bury them but cremate them instead. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. No, it's not to save money on plot space because, as you know, a country with 1.2 billion people, they've got to bury them somewhere. So real estate in the graveyard is probably pricey. No, it's not because of that. It's because they think that the virus may live for an unknown amount of time underground and at some point may rise again like some kind of bacterial zombie years from now. The virus may live on underground and mutate and then come out, you know, at a, at a future time. So it's best. I'm sorry if you had all the, all of these plans. If your grandfather wanted to be buried with his wife of 30 years, I'm afraid we can't do that. Please burn him instead. Throw him in the incinerator. It's just conspiracy theory. It's just racism. There's nothing to see here. There's no cure or vaccine. We are now sure that there is possibility that people can transmit this virus before they become symptomatic. Mm. Um, so this is quite a change uh, in what we understand about the virus. Yeah. 
fear of the coronavirus has spread more quickly than the disease itself. On the streets of Sydney, protective masks have become a common sight. At Eastwood in Sydney's north, local businesses are handing them out for free. That's despite federal health advice that they're not necessary for the general public. Ah, we believe that's a sensible and a reasonable thing to do. Maybe not as recommended by the health uh, expert, but then, well, it's better than nothing. <laughs> the average person gets it, right? The average person does get it. They know that the government was trying desperately not to do anything for the longest time, for two weeks, because there is too much money riding on this. There is too much money flowing back and forward. So the governments around the world knew. They're also, to be fair to them, they're also stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Because even if it is really serious, here's the thing. It's probably worse than we're being told. And the reason I say this is because the last thing governments want is a panic. But at the same time, they don't want to be seen to be doing nothing as well. So they have to do something. So it then becomes a game of managing expectations, right? How can we appear to be doing something without causing panic? But everything we do is going to cause panic. I know, but we have to do something because people know that there is a deadly, potentially deadly virus which is spreading around the world as we speak. We can't do Ring anything. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, SoCal Patriot. We can't do nothing, right? We have to do something. And then, of course, you get the media piling on top saying anything you do is racist and mustn't be done. So there you go. Uh, obvious racism, ladies and gentlemen. Obvious fear-mongering. Obvious conspiracy theory from the ABC. Let me show you this. Uh, New York City. <clears throat> New York City is obviously a place known for its wide open spaces, uh, its, its lack of population density. There aren't a lot of people in New York City. No, 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 no. New York City is like a ghost town. It's like a two-horse town. There's nothing going on in New York City. It's not a tourist hub. People don't fly from all over the world to visit New York City. New York City doesn't have a very busy subway or public transport system. New York City doesn't have millions and millions of millions of people crammed onto a tiny island. None of that is true, obviously. So there's nothing to worry about. It's just conspiracy theory. Possible case of coronavirus in New York City. Oh, good. Good evening. I'm Jessica Moore. Now on Goody. CBS2 and streaming on CBS and New York. Right now, one person is being tested for the deadly virus at Bellevue Hospital. The news comes as we're just learning about the first death reported outside of China. Just a few minutes ago, health officials in the Philippines announced a man has died from the virus after what? traveling from Wuhan. Around the world, there are nearly 14,000 possible cases. And in just a few hours, U.S. citizens returning from Hebei province will be subject to a quarantine. Wow. CBS 2's Christine. It only took two weeks. It only took two weeks for governments like the United States government, the Australian government, the New Zealand government, various other governments. It only took two weeks of allowing as many people as possible to get on planes and fly around. That's all it took before somebody decided, hmm, maybe we should do some quarantining of people coming in. Okay, good idea. 
But of course, by then, the damage is arguably done, right? You know, a friend of mine said, oh, it's about containment now. And, you know, that sounds good, right? That sounds like a good thing to say. But after two weeks and, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people flying all over the world, containment is just a buzzword now. Containment is spin. Containment was supposed to happen at the beginning. That's what containment is. <laughs> you can't contain something after it's out. Now it's out. Now it's, now it's not containment at all. Containment is a word that, you know, politicians, the political class, the media will use to put the mind of the peasant at ease. Oh, don't worry. We're doing something. We're looking after you. We're taking care of this. It's being contained. Go about your business. Don't do anything rash. Don't do anything silly. Don't change your behavior. Continue buying your products. Continue getting on planes. Please continue keeping the economy ticking over. Containment. After two weeks? <laughs> Please. Christina Fan is live outside Bellevue Hospital tonight. She has more on this possible new local case. Christina. Well, Jessica, we know that the test results from the CDC are expected to come back within 48 hours. We are told that suspected patient came to the hospital Friday after experiencing flu-like symptoms. Flu-like symptoms. Mayor Bill de Blasio. Oh, if anybody's going to take care of this, it's surely going to be Mayor Bill de Blasio, a man known around the world for being a man of action. Bill de Blasio, a man who gets things done. <laughs> Bill de Blasio, a brave, brave man who's not afraid to make the tough decisions, ladies and gentlemen. Bill de Blasio, he'll save us. He'll take care of us. Tried easing concerns outside ah. Bellevue Hospital Saturday, yep. hours after the first what suspected did Bill, what did Bill case have of coronavirus emerged in New York City. Officials say the suspect... They they're not even going to play his press conference. That's what they think of Bill de Blasio. <laughs> Bill de Blasio put everyone's mind at ease. Now, moving on. Uh, shouldn't we hear from Bill? Enough! Oh, we're not going to hear from Bill at all. Okay, that's interesting. All right, I think we've seen enough from that. Um, let me show you this. This is news that came out uh, a few days ago down here in Australia. While, while the governments were busy not doing anything in the first couple of weeks after this virus became known to everybody around the world, while the media is claiming that anybody who was calling for quarantining or anything of that nature is just a racist and a conspiracy theorist and a hate monger, while all this was going on, whilst like dozens and dozens, hundreds of planes were flying out of China all around the world, while this was taking place, uh, the bio labs were hard at work, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be pleased to know. While the government and the media are saying, stop being so ridiculous, there's nothing to worry about, there's nothing going on, this is what's happening in the science community. University of Queensland researchers are working around the clock to develop a vaccine for, a, for the deadly coronavirus in less than six months. But I thought there was nothing to worry about. I thought it's all just ignorance. I thought it's racism. I thought it was fear mongering. I thought it was conspiracy theory. 
why would the biolabs need to be working around the clock, racing against time, desperately trying to come up with a vaccine for a conspiracy theory? It doesn't make sense. I thought we were all ignorant about this. The researchers have been tasked with rushing a vaccine into existence because that always works. (laughs) I've seen enough zombie movies on TV to know what happens when we rush a vaccine. Rushing a vaccine into existence using rapid response technology that's proven effective against other viruses in lab conditions. The team hopes to have a safe and effective vaccine available for worldwide distribution within six months and they don't need the live virus to do it. Instead, they will rely on new technology known as molecular clamp. The team already has genetic sequence of already has the genetic sequence of the coronavirus and will use that to produce a protein the same as it was on the surface of the virus that also engages the body's immune defenses. By injecting that, we can get an optimal immune response in people that affords protection. Protection, ladies and gentlemen, the protection meme. Never fear. <laughs> Dr. Sexy in the chat's laughing. Safe and effective. <laughs> exactly. A safe and effective vaccine rushed into existence to protect you. Ooh, goody. Because we all know what happens when, you know, millions of people around the world need the government to protect them from something. And again, I have to keep bringing, I have to keep drawing you back to this point. While the governments were saying that there is nothing to worry about, while the governments refused to quarantine people, while the governments just kept the the transport lines open, while the governments and the media accused people of being a racist if they dared suggest that they should maybe not take plane loads of people from this infected area, while that was happening simultaneously, this very same time, those very same governments are now asking biolabs which engage in biodiversity research, viral research and nanotechnology, they were asking them to come up with a vaccine to combat it. Why? Why? The researchers are three team, are among three teams around the world tapped by Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations to try to rapidly develop a coronavirus na- um, vaccine. Dr. Chappelle says his team has a grueling few months ahead, but they will do everything they can to have a safe vaccine by the end of July or sooner if possible. And then it's rolled out. Show me your arm. Let's tap that vein. Let's get that good stuff into you. Uh, Will it become mandatory, I wonder? After the World Health Organizations and the various governments say there's nothing to to worry about, in six months' time, Will the cases keep escalating? Will it be 20,000 next week, 30,000 the week after, 50,000 the week after that? Will it be a million people with the virus in six months? Will that happen? Who knows? But if it does, will the vaccine that has been rushed into existence, quote, to find a cure for what the media calls a conspiracy theory and a manifestation of racism, Will it then become mandatory? Just a thought. For your protection, of course. To protect you from the conspiracy theory. Don't be a racist now. Let that virus spread far and wide before we do anything about it. And then when we come up with something to do about it, then we'll force you to do it. (laughs) No, never happened. Don't be silly. 
Never happen. He said there were no guarantees, but the vaccine development technology had proven effective against another a number of other viruses in lab experiments. So there you go. All of these references will be in the show notes, uh, which will be on the Podbean website after the show, ladies and gentlemen. In coronavirus response, AI is becoming a useful tool in the global outbreak, data experts say. AI, as you know, has been a topic on this show for a long time. So you could imagine uh, my reaction when I read this. As as we often say on this program, some of the most insidious things that are presented to us, the lowly peasants, by our betters, by our by our rulers, by our leaders, by our anointed ones, some of the most insidious things are often gift wrapped. Presented as something else, presented as something we need, presented as something that will protect us. Think of the Patriot Act, for example. You need this. This is to protect you. And then, of course, it opens the door for mass surveillance of an unwitting population illegally. Thank you very much for the protection, Your Honour. Artificial intelligence is not going to stop the new coronavirus or replace the role of expert uh, epidemiologists, but for the first time in a global outbreak, it is becoming a useful tool in efforts to monitor and respond to the crisis, according to health data specialists. In prior outbreaks, AI offered limited value because of a shortage of data needed to provide updates quickly, but in recent days... Millions of posts about coronavirus on social media and news sites are allowing algorithms to generate near real-time information for public health officials tracking its spread. And you might say that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing that, you know, governments or private entities are now deploying AI to scoop up any reference to coronavirus on the internet that they can find be it on websites or social media, and put it in a nice big fat database because it's helping them protect us, right? You might say that's a wonderful thing. My first thought was not, my my word, How what a wonderful idea for these AI programs to be going around the internet, sniffing people out, talking about a particular topic so we can put all of the discussion and in, in, you know, allocate it and put it into categories and analyze the data. That wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, what else do they do it for? What other kind of data do they do they sweep the internet and social media for? What other kind of conversations would governments or, you know, pharmaceutical labs, for example, uh, be interested in patrolling online? What else is it being used for? But of course, I'm just a conspiracy theorist. I should trust the government more. <laughs> They're doing what they can to protect us two weeks after the event. The field field has evolved dramatically, said John Brownstein, a computational epidemiologist at Boston Children's Hospital who operates a public health surveillance site called healthmap.org that uses AI to analyse data from government reports, social media, news sites and other sources. He said during SARS, there was not a huge amount of information coming out of China. He said, referring to the 2003 outbreak of an earlier coronavirus that emerged from China, infecting more than 8,000 people and killing nearly 800. Now we're constantly mining news and social media. What could possibly go wrong? Isn't it wonderful? We're being protected. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This video came out a couple of days ago. As you know, uh, there's a number of factors when you're talking about social media and the internet in the grand old state of China. Uh, some things to consider is it is against the law for anybody to live stream in China without a human being watching live, monitoring the live stream at all times. In the West, people can live stream and those streams can be taken down retroactively if somebody complains about it or whatnot. In China, somebody has to be there monitoring all the live streams going out. That's the law. Also, you know, in China, they have a thing called the social credit ranking system, where if you are a good comrade and you support the state, you support the government, then you will be rewarded with a good reputation online. Of course, the Chinese authorities are monitoring social media constantly to search for any potentially dissident or dangerous voices who may be, you know, spreading misinformation about the coronavirus or any other topic for that matter at any time. So this video came out. Chinese police knock on the door of the houses where, the, where there are people who share news on social networks about the expansion of the coronavirus in China. Let's have a look. Now, now uh, Tina responded on Twitter. Uh, Tina is a uh, native Chinese and uh, speaks Mandarin. I assume they're speaking Mandarin. I don't know, Mandarin, Cantonese, whatever. But I assume they're speaking Mandarin. And Tina translated what the cops are saying for us on the Twitter thread where I posted this video. Uh, she says, they're saying, without government's authority, you cannot post videos about coronavirus. If you do, we will proceed legal actions against you. Please delete the video and post a new one as a correction. That's what this guy is being told when the police knock on his door. I love that people think that this is only in China. Have we not all read the stories of people in, say, Germany or France or other European countries who post a meme or post something on Facebook or post something, you know, in Sweden, for example, post something about immigrants in Sweden, you will get a knock on the door just like this. Just like this. You post something in Germany about the, you know, the open borders policy, the immigrant influx of a few years ago. You're expecting this. How boogie? How boogie? Did you post something on the uh, on the Facebook? Yes, we seem to have a problem. You, you seem to have uh, very dangerous views about the immigrants, don't you, sir? Don't you? It's not just in China. Somebody brought up the drones. I'm gl I'm glad you did. This is horrifying to me. Long-time viewers of this of this stream will remember. You'll remember a show we did when we were where we were talking about drones specifically and the issue with drones. It's not just for taking pretty photos of where you live. 
And I, I posited that potentially in the future, at some point, what if, what if drones coupled with facial recognition technology, which already exists, what if, you know, people may be restricted to certain areas in the future? We all know if we look at uh, Agenda 2030, for example, the papers that were written by the UN, which you can go online and check at any time you want, the official documents. They even provide an Agenda 2030 progression checklist on the UN website to show you how close they're getting to their goals that they set out in that document. We know that the goal is to not, I won't say force, let's say encourage. The goal is to encourage people to move into metropolis-style city centres. Because you see, when people are spread far and wide, that prevents a challenge for biodiversity experts who want to, quote-unquote, preserve the natural earth. This is the kind of language they use. The language we would use if we were common folk, which we are, would be to say they want to force everybody to live in big cities and they want to lock up all of the rural areas and make it no-go zones for humans. They don't want you cutting down trees. They don't want you farming, which is you know feeds into climate change because they say farming causes climate change with all the cows and stuff. I know. They want us all living in mass city centres, huge cities. They don't want us living in houses. They say houses unnecessarily take up space. You can look at any time and you will see uh, the mainstream corporate press promoting things like living in shoeboxes. Oh, check out how these new trendy inner city Europeans are living. They're living in a shoebox, which is eight feet by 10 feet, and they couldn't be happier. All they have is a bed and a toilet, and they pay three times as much for it. I could never move back into a house again. Why, I just feel so cosy. This is so niche. This is so modern. I love this. You'll see reports like that all the time if you're looking for them. The soft promotion of Agenda 2030. It's got to be cool. It's got to be hip. So they want to move people out of houses, move people off the land, force them into city centres to live in high-rises, shoeboxes, public transport, no private cars, right? Because that presents a problem for climate change. So it's all public transport. And I, I suggested, what if one day you'll be, you know, you'll be walking around and you decide, you know what, I want to go to the beach today. I don't want to go to work today. I want to go to the beach. Well, with 5G, ladies and gentlemen, the latency between devices is being reduced to practically zero. As we all know, as we've all found out recently, uh, your phone can be used as a tracking device, whether you like it or not. People are complaining that their smart TVs are getting hacked already. That people are hacking in, looking at their cameras, talking to them in their own homes, the smart homes. So your, your, your phone, which you're going to be forced to have at some point, because as we all know, they want to take us into a cashless society, and then that will become a cardless society. And then all of your transactions will be done on your handheld device. Imagine if you're walking and you decide, you know, you know what, I'm just going to go to the beach today. What would happen? A little drone would fly out and say, eh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bumper. You do not have clearance to be in this area right now. This area has been closed off for human activity. Could you please return to the city centre immediately? And there were people in the chat who were laughing. This will never happen. What the hell are you talking about? Right? 
the usual stuff. Oh, crazy conspiracy theory. Why don't why why are you even bothering about that? Can't we talk about transgender toilets instead? Right? Of course. So imagine my complete lack of surprise when I saw this out of China, which is at the forefront of all of these kinds of digital social control mechanisms. Have a look at this out of China a few days ago. Yes, auntie, this drone is speaking to you. You shouldn't walk around without wearing a mask. If you're listening to the podcast, a drone is flying around and talking to people who are walking around on the street, telling them that they need to go home, they need to put a mask on, please get the hell out of here. Yes, you'd better go back home and don't forget to wash your hands. Tina in the chat says, did you know pretty much every single China residence is being surveilled 24-7? Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm in Australia. I grew up with a lot of Chinese people. A lot of Chinese people who would rather kill themselves than go back there. The voiceover said, you've been told to stay indoors, but you're wandering around outside. Now a drone is following you. And as she walks away, the drone follows her. Uncle, we are in unusual times. Why did you come outside without wearing a mask? It's a guy like loading something into his uh, trike. The snow will melt. Isn't it comfortable to stay at home with food and drinks? The drone asks this innocent civilian. See the way around it too? It's not... They're not technically forcing him back inside. They're just harassing him to go back inside, right? They're not forcing, they're not saying go back inside or we'll shoot you, but they just fly a drone at you and point it at you. And a voiceover from some authority says, Wouldn't you have more fun inside? Wouldn't you rather be at home right now than being out here? These are unusual times, sir. Please return back to your house. It's the best thing for you. We're here to protect you. Isn't it eerie and creepy and fucking weird? Isn't it horrifying? And what I'm about to show you after this will show you that we need to get out of this mindset of that's what happens over there. This only happens over there. We have nothing to worry about. We need to break out of that closed loop thinking. Like if you see this and and somebody's telling you, "Hey, be careful because, you know, we're we're normalizing this kind of shit ourselves in the West too, you know." And your first thought is, "That's never going to happen here. Why? That's a crazy conspiracy theory." Then you you're the kind of guy who 10 years ago said that there would never be men wrestling uh, teenage girls in high school wrestling teams. That was never going to happen. That's crazy conspiracy theory. You're the kind of guy who 10 years ago said they're never going to give five and six-year-olds hormone replacement therapy. That's crazy conspiracy theory. You're the guy five or 10 years ago who was saying they're never going to uh, chop the penis off adolescent boys who feel like females. They're never going to do that. That's crazy conspiracy theory. They're never going to have drag queens dancing in front of preschool children. They're never going to do that. You're that guy. 
never happen, won't happen, will never happen, never happen, and then it happens. Never say never. I'm going to show you how close we are. Don't laugh. Get on your cart and go home immediately. You see, you didn't even wear a mask. What are you looking at? Go home now. The voiceover continues from the drone. Rest well at home. And then the, and then the drone follows him home, ladies and gentlemen. It follows him home. The dude with the pink coat, please put on your mask. Hey, handsome guy, speaking on your mobile, put on your mask. Ha ha ha. Our loving police force is so cheeky and flirty. Why, it's so nice to have a flirty police officer give me orders on the street via a robot. Isn't that just so charming and nice and whimsical and fun? Isn't that so awesome? Put on your mask, hurry up. You can go home and eat. Hey kid, so here's a small child being approached by the drone. Hey kid, we are in unusual times. Don't stroll around outside. You don't even wear a mask. Hurry and go back home. <laughs> and the kid starts running for their life. Probably petrified. The the coronavirus is very serious. Run! Don't come outside. Staying at home. Staying at home is contributing to society. The voiceover, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so as you can see, nothing to worry about. So I want to bring you... I want to I want to shift this conversation into the next point because like I said we have a lot of ideas that it's not even just it's not even it's not our fault human beings have a have a problem in that what we have now we envisage will always be right it's a psychological thing and there's also something called the valence effect I don't know if you've heard of this. It is the predisposition for human beings to project good things happening when there is no evidence to suggest that it should. To overly predict positive outcomes. Right? So the way that would manifest itself in everyday life is like a problem gambler, for example, who's betting on horses. And he's lost eight times in a row. So he bets another $100 on the ninth race. And you say, why are you still betting? You're obviously terrible at this. You haven't won a dollar. Why do you keep betting? And he says, oh, because I'm due for a win. Like, I, I have a win coming my way. I'm due for one. That's the valence effect. And we do the same things on a society level as well. When all available uh, information points to a certain outcome, and when historical trends point to a certain outcome... If that outcome is a negative, we have this tendency to say, it's not going to be that bad. Don't worry about it, right? 
So people know this and they play up to it. Let me show you this article. Remember, it's never going to happen here. This kind of stuff will never happen here, okay? Stop being a conspiracy theorist. I, I tweeted about this earlier and I don't think people really believed me. Don't worry, it's a lot worse than what my tweet suggested. A school in China is monitoring students with facial recognition technology that scans the classroom every 30 seconds. A Chinese high school is using, uh, using facial recognition technology to monitor and analyze students' behavior. The technology scans classrooms at Hangzhou, uh, Hangzhou Number 11 School every 30 seconds. Isn't it? You, you know how, you know, I know in America you guys have school names like, you know, I don't know, Martin Luther King Jr. High, and your team will be like the Tigers or something. In, in China, uh, which school do you like? Go team number 11, Hangzhou number 11 high school. We hate number 10. We hate number 12. We're number 11. We're going to win the game. How inspiring. The cheerleaders must have to work very hard to come up with, with inspirational songs and chants for no, the number 11 school. <laughs> the technology scans classrooms at Hangzhou number 11 high school every 30 seconds and records students' facial expressions, categorizing them into happy, angry, fearful, confused, or upset. If they were scanning my face when I was a student and this kind of shit was going on, it would be fearful and confused 100% of the time. Imagine being a child sitting there in the classroom, knowing that a camera is watching your face at all times to make sure that you are focused on your studies. Right? What a horrifying dystopian nightmare. You can't just look out the window for a couple of minutes and daydream. You can't, you know, think of a funny story and giggle to yourself. No. Big Brother is zoomed in. Right there. Uh... Thank you for the Diamond Gypsy. Verdigio steals the Diamond Gypsy. Big Brother zoomed in right there. Uh, it looks like Mr. Wong in seat number three, row four, appears to be distracted. Can you go over there and talk to him, please? Wow. The school's vice principal said students' privacy is protected because the technology doesn't save actual images from the classroom and stores data on a local server rather than a cloud. Oh, well, my mind has been put at ease, obviously. Oh, their, their privacy is being protected. We only, we only store their facial recognition patterns data on a local server. We only store their emotional response data to, on a local server. So we're protecting their privacy. Let me show you this. This is from October last year, ladies and gentlemen. It's even worse than that article suggests. That article was from May 2018. This is October 2019. Look how much they progressed in just over a year. And it's not high school anymore. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's the young'uns. It's the little ones. We've tried it on the high school students. All they had was facial recognition cameras mapping their emotional responses and their 
state of mind. We can do far better than that now. Teachers at this primary school in China know exactly when someone isn't paying attention. These headbands measure each student's level of concentration. The information is then directly sent to the teacher's computer. If you're listening to the podcast, the children are wearing headbands and there's a little light on the front of the headband. And the small child was saying, when the light's red, it's when you're really focused on what you're doing. When the light's blue, you're distracted. And when the light's white, you're offline. So while while the children are doing their schoolwork, while they're paying attention the teacher looks up and sees a whole classroom full of little red lights on their heads. And if little Timmy in the back corner is, you know, thinking about chocolate or thinking about, you know, riding his bike after school or thinking about something else, his light will be blue. And not only is this a visual cue for the teacher to whip the young lad into shape, but the information is sent directly to a laptop or a, a, a touchscreen that the teacher has on their desk. They might even get an alert flash up on their screen that says little Timmy is no longer paying attention to the lesson plan. Little Timmy isn't concentrating on his studies. Little Timmy needs a little discipline. Happening now. Happening now. The epicenter, not only for potentially deadly contagious viruses, it seems, ladies and gentlemen, also the epicenter for dystopian, nightmarish, hellish, future, hell on earth type scenarios. Where surveillance has become part and parcel of existence to the point where children are now wearing headbands that read, essentially, read their thoughts. Essentially. And that information is being back to the authority in the room, which on this case is the teacher. And to parents. And to the parents. The China parents the parents can get an SMS too. Isn't it wonderful? Has big plans to become a global leader in artificial intelligence. It has enabled a cashless economy where people make purchases with their faces. A giant network of surveillance cameras with facial recognition helps police monitor citizens. Look at the way it's being presented. It's helped create a cashless economy where you just walk up to the, the register, your camera, a camera takes your, a picture of your face and your bank account is debited with the required amount for your groceries. Isn't it wonderful? Of course, we've spoken about this topic of the cashless society before ad nauseum, ladies and gentlemen, and it's barely worth mentioning again, but I think I probably should. That being, if you are somebody who thinks that a cashless society is a wonderful, beautiful thing that should be raced towards because all of this pesky money gets in our way and weighs down our wallets and is, you know, um, unnecessary space taken up in our jeans pockets then you must understand that you are also advocating for the death of economic freedom. I certainly don't want to live in a, in a society where 
my access to groceries or fuel or basic uh, goods can be turned off by somebody with a computer. I don't want to live in that world. I especially don't want to live in a world where facial recognition software can match up when I'm in a store with, say, my social media posts. And perhaps my perhaps I perhaps Boogie Bumper hasn't been a good little comrade. Perhaps Boogie Bumper has some kind of reservations about his children wearing focus headbands in the classroom, for example. And Boogie Bumper has made this known on Facebook or v- Vimo or whatever they use over there that this is not, you know, the, the most desirable thing that he wants in his society. Uh, Boogie Bumper may then go to the local grocery store to buy food for his children who now focus a lot in school and go up to the cash register. And when I go to purchase the goods, and eh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't, we can't allow you to make these kinds of purchases. We can't. I'm sorry. You haven't been a good comrade. Your access to banking has been prohibited for one week. Please take down your offending social media posts and then post a reply saying that you agree with the program, that you don't have any issues with the program whatsoever, and then we will let you access your money again. And there'll be no option for me because I can't have, I don't have cash. There is no cash. Cash, no. Robbo, no cash. So no, I don't, I don't think a cashless society is a good idea at all. It, it's the death of privacy and the death of economic freedom. Everything tracked is not even the main problem. It's the potential for your money to be cut off from you electronically. Meanwhile, some schools offer glimpses of what the future of high-tech education in the country might look like. Look, guys, it's a cute little robot. It's a cute little robot teaching our children how to become comfortable with the surveillance state. Isn't it lovely? This cute little robot is monitoring your children at all times. This cute little robot will alert the teacher when you're not paying attention, boys and girls. You will learn to love the cute little robot. You will learn to feel protected by the cute little robot. Don't worry. Because schools are a lot of things, right? Schools are places for friends to, to for children to make friends. It's their places to socialize. They're places to ask girls out on dates repeatedly and get shot down, which was my experience. (laughs) Of course. Um, But more than that, they're supposedly a place of education, right? Some may say they're a place of indoctrination, but they're definitely a place of training. And I wonder if we are training now, training students to be normalised to the mass surveillance society, which I suspect many people, powerful people, would like us to live in in the not-too-distant future. That's China. Let me show you what's happening in Australia. This is from November last year, ladies and gentlemen. It'll never happen here. And if you're an American, you're going to watch this and say, yeah, but that's Australia. That's not us. Don't worry. 
Six months ago, we were saying, yeah, that's China. That's not us. You'll have your moment too. Facial recognition has moved into Australian schools Goody. with help from the federal government. Five schools are now trialling the technology. With help from the federal government. Yes, that's right. You heard correctly. Uh, the quote-unquote conservative government, which was elected in a landslide uh, about a year ago. The conservative government, ladies and gentlemen. We really need to stop... Uh, we really need to stop giving certain politicians a free pass just because we like to believe that they're on our side. Just as a general rule, I would think that that's probably the best way to go. We really need to stop allocating trust where it ought not be allocated, I think. No politician just deserves trust. If they have your trust without earning your trust and keeping your trust, uh, then you lose. They win, you lose. But the move has alarmed some state governments. This is the stark reality in China. <laughs> Remember when a whole bunch of people were... Um, against the idea of putting metal detectors out the front of the school. Remember? Oh, I was one of those people. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Still don't. I still don't like the idea. I still don't like the idea of kids having to walk through a security checkpoint when they go into school. It's not because I want uh, kids to be shot or stabbed. Uh, it's because I don't want uh, the normalization of security checkpoints. I don't want kids growing up um, becoming accustomed to the idea that they are citizens in their own country who cannot move freely between one building and the next without being patted down and checked by some kind of security. I don't want that to become normal for children. Because that's how you get a whole generation raised to not value freedom. That's how you get a whole generation to ra raised to value protection more than freedom is by training them from the age of, say, five or six years old for the next 10 or 12 years, that this is what happens. When you go between one building and the next building, you will go through security. You will be checked. This is the way it works. This is how we roll, right? I don't want that. But it's too late for that now. The time to be concerned for, with that was 20 years ago. Now that's normal. And now we can roll out the next level of checkpoint. Now we can roll out the AI-driven facial recognition software level of technology. Isn't it grand? Scanning the faces of students to... If, if you thought the metal detectors were bad, wait until you see this shit. Let them in to school. In the US, eyes above patrol classrooms. My... It'll never happen here! <laughs> yep. You want to hear it again? China. Scanning the faces of students to let them in to school. In the US, eyes above patrol classrooms. It'll never happen here. That's crazy conspiracy theory. It'll never happen over here, guys. Never. Never, ever. Why are you listening to such whacked out conspiracy theories, guys? It's never going to happen here.
let that settle for a moment. It's already happening. It's already happening, guys. Don't worry, you're being protected. You're being protected from bad things. We're here to help you. It's already happening. My face is not recognised and the door doesn't open. Now facial recognition is in Australian schools. Yay. We're really sleepwalking into a surveillance society. Loop Learn's system is being trialled at five schools across Australia to mark the classroom role and has already been tested at Clarendon College in Victoria. I think new technology is good as long as it's foolproof. I'm yet to... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mums. I love you. Ladies, ladies, not ladies in the audience because I know this doesn't apply to you, but ladies generally, mums, busy mums, dropping the kids off at school. You know, I love you. Got nothing against you. You do a great job. Well done. Little Sally and little Jimmy are great children. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Um, but stop. Stop. No, no, no. We are doing far, we are going too far away from what, you know, individual liberty is for the sake of making busy mums feel better. We're not sleepwalking into a surveillance state. We are charging towards it, begging for it. We're begging for the surveillance state. We need to be protected. We need to be controlled. I don't have a problem with security as long as it's foolproof. Of course it's going to be foolproof. Wow, that's a relief. I guess I'll be off to the Safeway now. I need to buy diapers and toilet paper and breakfast cereals and do my motherly things. Foolproof, ladies and gentlemen. It's sort of hear from the, the kids or the school how successful it's been for them. It scans a person's face to mark their attendance in class, sending the information to an app, potentially on a teacher's smartphone. Great. Who's going to get this data? What are they going to do with it? Because data is now uh, regarded as the new oil. Looplearn says it's in schools in part thanks to a federal government grant of all... The Conservative government, ladies and gentlemen. The conservative government. You know, the conservative government that likes to uh, pay lip service to things like free speech, free expression, privacy, individual liberty. You know those guys? Why, they're just writing checks. They're handing out money to people who want to install facial recognition software in your children's classrooms for their protection, for their security. Mm -hmm. The same guys. Almost half a million dollars. It's money from the same... Just throwing out cash. ...fund, which Nine News revealed, granted hundreds of thousands of dollars to the makers of a divorce app. <laughs> Ministers standing firm. We shouldn't be limiting. <laughs> makers of a divorce app are now monitoring our students. What could possibly go wrong? Necessarily the development of that technology. Not the view of some states. Earlier this year, the Victorian government tried to stop schools from using this product after a review found 
major privacy risks. You don't say. Luplearn refuses to say which five schools are trialling its system, <laughs> once boasted of a waiting list of more than ten. <laughs> this is always the irony for me. This is always the ironic part for me. So, a mass invasion of privacy. Facial recognition software installed in the school. The children's personal data zipping around all over the place. People raise privacy concerns and the company that comes up with this device, the company that invents this software, refuses to tell the public which schools it's being used in. Sounds foolproof to me. Why you just have to be a guinea pig, but without your own, without your knowledge, without you knowing about it. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It's it's like students have a right to security, they say, but they don't have a right to know that they're being secured. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. This news came out... Uh, in the New York Times the other last week, the week before. The secretive company, this is an Australian company, by the way. The secretive company that might end privacy as we know it. A little known startup helps law enforcement match photos of unknown people to their online images and might lead to a dystopian future or something, a backer says. They're, they're really uh, taking in all options when it comes to putting money behind this. Until recently, Huan Ton That's greatest hits included an obscure iPhone game and an app that let people put Donald Trump's distinctive yellow hair on their own photos. Ha <laughs> ha. Then Mr. Ton That, an Australian techie and one-time model, did something momentous. He invented a tool that could end your ability to walk down the street anonymously and provided it to hundreds of law enforcement agencies ranging from local cops in Florida to the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, ladies and gentlemen. It'll never happen here. Remember that? Remember the people that say those types of things? It'll never happen here. It's already happening. His tiny company, Clearview AI, devised a groundbreaking facial recognition app. You take a picture of a person, upload it, and get to see public photos of that person along to with links to where those photos appeared. The system, whose backbone is a database of more than 3 billion images that Clearview claims to have scraped from Facebook, YouTube, Venmo, and millions of other websites, goes far beyond anything ever constructed by the United States government or Silicon Valley giants. Federal and state law enforcement officers said that while they had only limited knowledge of how Clearview works, so they don't even know how it works, and who is behind it, they had used the app to help solve shoplifting, identity theft, ironically, credit card fraud, murder, and child sexual exploitation cases. We are doing this for your benefit. This is to protect you, ladies and gentlemen. Who needs privacy when you can feel safe? Until now, technology that readily identifies everyone based on his or her face has been taboo because of its radical erosion of privacy. Tech companies capable of releasing such a tool have refrained from doing so. In 2011, Google's chairman at the time said it was the one technology the company had held back because it could be used in a very bad way. Quote, 
Some large cities, including San Francisco, have barred police from using facial recognition technology. Put that in a tick for the San Franciscans. But without public scrutiny, more than 600 law enforcement agencies have started using Clearview in the past year. 600. Oh. According to the company, which declined to provide a list. There it is again, huh? <laughs> there it is again. The public apparently has a right to feel safe and a right to feel secure, but they do not have a right apparently to know which agencies are using the software that makes them feel safe and secure. Isn't that the darndest thing? You're not allowed to know where the technology is and who is using it. You're just supposed to accept it because it's for your protection, right? The computer code underlying its app, analysed by the New York Times, includes programming language to pair it with augmented reality glasses. Listen to this. It already has this tech. Users would potentially be able to identify every person they saw. So imagine you're walking down the street, you're wearing the virtual reality glasses, and like a science fiction movie... As you're walking down the street, the glasses are scanning faces of people walking in the opposite direction and bringing up their Facebook profile or their Twitter feed or a bunch of pictures where they live. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Hey, it's for your protection, right? It's for your safety. And don't worry, if you think, if you think nobody's going to accept it, then I would just point you to what we just watched with the children. The six-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, the nine-year-olds, the ten-year-olds, they're all going to be used to facial recognition software. They're not going to have any issue with it. It's going to make total sense to them. They've been growing up with it for the last ten years. We've already attuned the, the students to mass surveillance. They're already used to the idea of mass surveillance. They already endorse censorship. They already endorse Big Brother. Why would they have any problem with this? Why? It includes programming language to pair it with augmented reality glasses. Users would potentially be able to identify every person they saw. The tool could identify activists at a protest or an attractive stranger on the subway revealing not just their names, but where they lived, what they did, and whom, whom they knew, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who are like, oh, damn those, Antifa, damn those Antifa activists. We should know everything about them. Their, their social profiles should be pulled up. They should be named and shamed, right? I get it. I get it. What happens when you protest? What happens when it's your turn to protest? You know, 10 years ago, people were saying, the government is never going to put gun owners and gun enthusiasts on no-fly lists secretly. Remember that? Do you remember that? When the Obama administration, ladies and gentlemen, put uh, gun activists on no-fly lists and it was impossible to know if you were on the no-fly list, and it was impossible to appeal being on the no-fly list. Now, what's to say a whole bunch of people endorse this kind of technology to 
unearth their their supposed, their alleged, or their very real political opponents. Great. Wonderful. You've just scored a big win. You've just knocked down your political opponents. What happens at the next election when your opponents get back in office? And you go to an NRA rally or a gun rights rally or something of that nature. And then due to the very same facial recognition software that you endorsed for your opponents, it gets used now to map you, track you, find your name, find out where you live and put you on one of those lists. All of a sudden, then it'll be a problem. All of a sudden, then people will say, we shouldn't have done this. But of course, by then, it'll be far too late. It's not just law enforcement. Clearview has also licensed the app to at least a handful of companies for, quote unquote, security purposes. The weaponization possibilities of this are endless, said Eric Goldman, co-director of the High Tech Law Institute at Santa Clara University. Imagine a rogue law enforcement officer who wants to stalk potential romantic partners or a foreign government using this to dig up secrets about people or to blackmail them or throw them in jail. <laughs> Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for gifting the subway censored. I had to laugh at that because I love, I love it. The guy says, imagine a foreign government using this to dig up secrets and blackmail people or throw them in jail. What do you mean a foreign government? Didn't we just see that in 2016? <laughs> Why does it have to be a foreign government, sir? <clears throat> oh, our own government would never do anything like that to its own citizens. Our government loves us. Our government would never do anything against its own citizens. <clears throat> mm. Never, ever. This is for your protection. It's not going to be weaponized against you. What are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? Clearview has shrouded itself in secrecy, avoiding debate about its boundary-pushing technology. When I began looking into the company in November, its website was a bare page showing a non-existent Manhattan address as part of its business. This is obviously well above board. This is obviously nothing to concern yourself with. Why, the address on the website doesn't exist in real life. Pfft, so what? Don't you want to feel protected? What are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? <laughs> red flag? Hello, anyone? Red flag? Hmm? <laughs> the company's one employee listed on LinkedIn, a sales manager named John Good, turned out to be Mr. Ton Thatt using a fake name for a month People affiliated with the company would not return my emails or phone calls. So the guy who ran the company, which is designed to erode privacy, which is designed to identify everybody at all times, who they are, what they do, who they know, where they live, while they're walking down the street, the guy who invented this kind of technology doesn't want to be known, doesn't want to be identified, doesn't want to be found. Isn't that fucking cute? With While the company was dodging me, it was also monitoring me. At my request, a number of police officers had run my photo through the Clearview app. They soon received phone calls from company representatives asking if they were talking to the media. A sign that Clearview has the ability and, in this case, the appetite to monitor whom law enforcement is searching for. There is absolutely nothing to be concerned about. It will never happen here. 
It's never going to happen here. What's happening in China happens over there. It's never going to happen in the West. We love freedom too much to let this happen. I hear the naysayers crying out. Facial recognition technology has always been controversial. It makes people nervous about Big Brother. <laughs> it has a tendency to deliver false matches for certain groups, like people of colour. Again, racism is the real issue. And some facial recognition products used by the police, including Clearviews, haven't been vetted by independent experts. Clearview's app carries extra risks because law enforcement agencies are uploading sensitive photos to the servers of a company whose ability to protect its data is untested. The company eventually started answering my questions, saying that its earlier silence was typical of an early stage startup in stealth mode. Mr. Tom Thatt acknowledged, don't worry, this happens all the time. <laughs> this happens all the time. Fake, fake addresses and fake names is just commonplace. It just happens all the time. Mr. Tom Thatt acknowledged designing a prototype for use with augmented reality glasses, but said the company had no plans to release it. No, we're just inventing it so we never release it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Ring the bell and get hey? your cheese, ah. man. Thank you for gifting the subs, Sebastian. Do you ever get the feeling that people are pissing in your face? I do. <laughs> do you ever get people, ever get the feeling that people are trying to shovel bullshit down your throat and make you swallow it? Yes. We're working on augmented reality glasses that comes with the Clearview software so you can identify anybody walking down the street at any time, their name, their friends, where they work and where they live, but we're not going to release it. We're just developing the idea, but we're never going to do anything with it. We're developing it so we never... It's like martial arts. We learn karate so that we need never use it. <laughs> just before the guy karate chops you in the back of the fucking head. Unbelievable. And he said, my photo had rung alarm bells because the app, quote, flags possible anomalous search behavior. Mm. <laughs> in order to prevent users from conducting what it deemed inappropriate searches. Wow. That certainly puts my mind at ease. Don't worry. If somebody is using the app for nefarious or uh, nasty or evil purposes, don't worry. A flag will be raised. The app will raise a flag and a report will go to somebody who works at the fictional company that doesn't exist in the address that it says on the, on the website. Don't worry. It's all fine. It's all above board. We have our own internal monitoring system here at the facial recognition company. This is going to make people happy. Remember, it's the conservative government in the uh, in Australia, ladies and gentlemen, that is handing over checks to get facial recognition technology in schools for your children. Let me see if you recognise any of these names. In addition to Mr. Tom Thatt, Clearview was founded by Richard Schwartz, who was an aide to Rudolph Giuliani, ladies and gentlemen when he was mayor of New York uh, New York, and backed financially by Mr. Who? Peter Thiel. Yeah. A venture capitalist behind Facebook and Palantir. If you don't remember Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel is the gay rich guy who everybody was lining up to pat him on the back 
or suckle on his penis because he came out and endorsed Donald Trump three years ago. Remember him? That guy. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder, this technology is being used by 600 law enforcement agencies already in the United States. But you can't find out who who's, who they are. You're not allowed to know the list of who's actually using it. But they're already using it. Another early investor in a, in a small firm called Kieran, uh, Kieran Nager Partners, its founder, David Scalzo, dismissed concerns about Clearview, making the internet searchable by face, saying it's a valuable crime-solving tool. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. It's for crime-solving. It's to protect you. We are keeping you safe, you ungrateful pigs. I've come to the conclusion that because information constantly increases, there's never going to be privacy. Mr. Scalzo said, laws have to determine what's legal, but you can't ban technology. You Ring can't stop it. You've just got to go cheese, with it. Man. Thank you for gifting the subducts, Regents. Laws have to determine what's legal, but you can't ban technology, sure. But that might lead to a dystopian future or something. But you can't ban it. So this article will be in the show notes. It's a hell of a read. I highly recommend it. Yes, it is the New York Times, ladies and gentlemen, but every now and then, if you rifle through piles of human shit, eventually you will find an engagement ring that somebody swallowed accidentally. This might be the shiny thing that you're looking for. Wear your rubber gloves. Incredible stuff. Uh, On the back of that, don't worry, it'll never happen here. Ladies and gentlemen... Privacy and civil liberties advocates have described new facial recognition technology as dangerous. The program, designed in Melbourne, uses social media profiles to identify people. Eddie Meyer explains. What could go wrong? We're increasingly living public lives. Security cameras on the streets, our own cameras uploading images to social media. New software developed in the US by this man, Australian Hoanton That, can now use those images turbocharging facial recognition. You're basically kissing, kissing your privacy goodbye. On its website, Clearview AI says it developed the technology to accurately, reliably and lawfully identify criminal subjects. <laughs> Clearview does it by matching a photograph of any person against a Ring database of three billion cheese, images that been- Thank you for gifting the subs, guys. Of course, this is nothing to be concerned about. This is all just about protecting you. This is all about law and order, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about law and order. You don't need privacy. You don't need individual liberty. You don't need freedom. You don't need any of those things. Wouldn't you rather feel safe? Well, uh, the guy who developed this app certainly thinks so. And the former aide to Rudy Giuliani who helped develop this app certainly thinks so. And the public Donald Trump-supporting billionaire of Palantir, Peter Thiel, also thinks so. And uh, and uh, apparently 600 law enforcement agencies in the US also think so. But they don't think you're, valu- they don't think, uh, you're important enough to know which agencies those are. Your children are going to think so because we're already rolling this shit out in schools in the West right now. You saw the video. You saw the reports. And yeah, sure, like we talk about drones flying around following people in China. Don't worry. Don't worry. 
We are running at breakneck speed to catch up with them. We can't wait to catch up with them. Been scraped from photos and videos users have uploaded to social media, including Facebook and YouTube. Law enforcement could use it to track a person, find where they live, and know who their friends are. Great, isn't it? And this is the thing I, I just I have to keep coming back to. While it's being used to, to catch bad guys, I'm sure that nobody will have a problem with it. I mean, people like you and me will, but we'll be cast as we are so often cast as conspiracy theorists, nut jobs, whack jobs, whatever. Whatever the slur of the day will be. That's, that's our future for the next few years. You may as well accept it now. You may as well learn to deal with it now because it's coming. You'll be a conspiracy theorist. Even though it's already happening, you'll still be a conspiracy theorist. So while they're tracking bad guys, quote unquote, the evildoers, ladies and gentlemen, while they're tracking down the crims, the crooks, the corrupt, It'll be, it'll be a round of applause. It'll be standing ovations all around. Thank you for keeping us safe. I forget which founding father it was, but something to the tune of those who would trade liberty for safety deserve neither. <laughs> all of this is happening now. <clears throat> uh, if you're an American in the audience, uh, I don't know why you would keep referring to the Constitution at this point. Clearly, they have no respect for it. Clearly, they don't care what you think. Clearly, the idea of individual liberty is some kind of archaic dinosaur age belief that has no place in the modern world. It's Benjamin Franklin. Thank you very much in the chat. <clears throat> I didn't want to say the wrong one, so I thought I'll just leave it. At, I thought it was Franklin, but I didn't want to say so. So Thank you, Sebastian, for the diamond. So clearly the idea of individual liberty, well, that's just got to go. That's just got to go by the wayside. And we're concerning ourselves with uh, Jennifer Lopez was a little too sexual at the halftime show. You know, saying things about immigrants cheese, is racist. Man. Thank you, Natalie Joe, for the sub. We concern ourselves with everything but the 10,000 pound elephant sitting in the corner of the room. We pretend like it's not happening. And you know, we've done shows before about things like microchipping where I've shown the clip from the BBC about how cool it is to have a microchip, how everybody at this company is getting microchipped and it's so awesome because you can open doors and use the printer and you don't have to, you know, like a caveman touch buttons. <laughs> Gypsy with a Ninja Gini, thank you so much. I'm going to suspect that you stole the Ninja Gini from the same person that you stole the diamonds from. <laughs> thank you, Ninja. Thank you for the uh, Nijigini, Gypsy. So we've done shows in the past about microchips. I've shown the clips on the BBC about how wonderful microchips are, how everybody has to have one. It's a great way to move towards a cashless society. And I remember saying to you on that episode, I suspect you watch. I wouldn't be surprised if it starts off 
being a security thing. Like, how about this? Why don't we just microchip the sex offenders? Huh? Don't you don't you want to know where all the sex offenders are at all times? Don't you want to keep the children safe? Wouldn't it be a wonderful idea to have a microchip with tracking software uh, so we can track the movements of these sex offenders to make sure that they don't put any children in harm's way? Right? Of course, at that time, somebody like me will say, no, we can't do that. That's a massive infringement on individual liberty and it has very dangerous connotations down the line. And I would be called a pedophile sympathizer, for example, probably, if not a pedophile myself. Oh, you want to hurt the kids. You're an evil person. Fuck you. That will be the kind of thing that you'll have to get used to. And it will start that way. And then it'll be, okay, let's do the let's do the sex offenders. That works for the sex. Now let's do the murderers. Let's do the people who have uh, AVOs on them. Aggravated violence orders, right? Let's put a microchip in them. And it'll just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until it's like, well, so many people have been microchipped. I guess everyone should have one now. And then they'll start saying things like, well, um, you know, for airline security, because these passports are most untrustworthy and it's very easy to forge a passport. We're going to make sure that if you want to travel on a plane, you have to have a microchip. But they'll say to you, you don't have to have a microchip. We're not forcing you to have a microchip. But if you want to travel on a plane, you're going to have to have a microchip. And that will be in for about a year or two. And then they'll say, if you want to drive a car, you'll have to have a microchip. Because we now have this technology where the car won't start with a key anymore. So if you want the car to start, you have to put your microchipped hand on the steering wheel. It's about stopping people from stealing cars, you see, because your microchip will be programmed to your car. It's wonderful. Think of all the money we'll save on insurance, guys. Think of how safe everyone will be. Nobody will be stealing cars anymore. Wow, sounds great. It's how these things roll. It's how these things materialize. It's It's how we get normalized to things. So when we look at these reports saying how wonderful it is that the authorities are now able to track criminals in live time, find their home address, find out who their friends are, find out where they work when they're just walking down the street, minding their own business. Don't worry. (laughs) It won't be long until it's being applied to everyone else as well. And I mean, you know, we already have the scenario in Europe, for example, where you can get a visit from the authorities if you post an offensive meme on Facebook. Imagine if they didn't even have to find you. Imagine if you post a meme and when you're walking in a you know a train station or a shopping center or something like that, the camera picks up where you are, what your Facebook profile is, and the offensive memes that you've posted automatically. Wouldn't that be grand? Think of all the money we'll save. What we have here with a lot of this technology, it's basically rogue, providing the basis for pervasive surveillance, surveillance everywhere. Meaning any image snapped on a public street could then be checked against this global database. It could put a chilling effect on political protest uh, as we know it, certainly discouraging political protest. Uh, Or, let's think about the next level, it could put a chilling effect on political protest or it could turn 
are innocent people who protest into criminals, for example. Right? But also monitoring the activities of political opponents mm. uh, in a very convenient way to the state. Law enforcement agencies in the US have used the technology to solve crimes. There's no indication Ring police forces here use it, cheese, although they man. are... Thank you for the gifted sub, Natalie Joe. ...working towards using facial recognition. The federal government is considering legislation... Do you remember the video we played a while ago last year, late last year? This is, this is already happening in the UK. I, the video is on my YouTube channel as a standalone video on its own. I forget the name of it. I'll tweet it out after the show. About the British chap in London walking past, and it's, it's no joke, a black government van. You'd think that they would paint it up like with rainbows or something to be less stereotypically dystopian, but they didn't. A black police van with cameras on the roof, 360 degrees, which was taking the picture of everybody who walked past it, who everybody who walked down this street, innocent people just going about their business. Thank you for the diamond puddle, puddle mama. So this guy, who was probably the only one on the day, and I would have been right there with him with this natural instinct, this natural urge, he saw this black van and he thought, fuck you, and he covered his face up as he walked past. As he gets past the van after covering the, his face with a scarf, because why are you fucking taking my picture? Fuck you, right? As he walks past this van, police, five of them, jump out and start questioning him. Why did you cover your face? Why are you covering your face, sir? He's like, because why are you taking my picture? Fuck you. I'm a free person. I'm just walking down the street. I don't want my picture taken. They ended up fining him for being a public nuisance. Remember that? They fined him for being a public nuisance, like 300 pounds, because he refused to, as an innocent person who has done nothing wrong, who is just walking down the street, because he refused to have his picture taken by the police. He was fined for that. Essentially, he infringed on the law. That was last year. It's already happening. You know, I disagree with the civil liberties guy who said we're sleepwalking into a surveillance state. We're not sleepwalking into anything. We are tumbling headfirst into a surveillance state. We are tumbling headfirst into a surveillance state with our head up our asses saying it will never happen here. We're tumbling headfirst into a surveillance state with our head up our asses saying it'll never happen here and pointing to those who say that it's already happening, that they're crazy fucking whacked out conspiracy theorists. And when it happens, yeah, and the other side of that is, you know, probably, I don't know, but probably the vast majority of the population doesn't only uh, not, not care, they probably want it. A friend of mine who's doing pretty well for himself of late, and I won't reveal his name, uh, we were having a conversation about this late one night over like a couple of glasses of wine, and he said, you know, people aren't going to fight against uh, what's coming. People are not going to rally against the surveillance state. People are not going to oppose it. And I said, 
you know, come on, it's going to get to a point where people will no longer tolerate it. And he said, no, that's not what's going to happen. He said, they will, we will build our own jail cell and then we will close the door behind us and throw away the key. We will lock ourselves in our own jail cells so we can feel safe, so we can feel protected, so we feel secure. Because the long-held ideas and traditions of individual liberty and freedom and privacy will become so horrifying to the average person that they dare not remember them. It's pretty much what I was told. <laughs> and, you know, they're installing facial recognition cameras in schools in China. They're, they're basically reading the minds of the child to see if they're focused or not. They're installing cameras in schools and parents are, you know, all smiles. Well, at least it's foolproof. At least I know my kid is safe. 600 law enforcement agencies in the US and are using software where they can take a picture of anybody on the street, find out where they live, who they know, where they work, what their name is, without any kind of due process, without any kind of warrant, for example, without any kind of official investigation being launched, doesn't have to be launched. The software does it all by itself, does it all automatically. you just got to be there to... Uh, Take the printout when it when it finishes. Here's where he is. Go get him. And, you know, most people don't care. Most people don't care. I think it was Voltaire, the, um, the French philosopher, the political satirist who said something along the lines of, I'll probably butcher the quote, but it was something to the effect of the whole, no, it was H.L. Mencken, pardon me, H.L. Mencken. Uh, who said something along the lines of the whole aim of modern politics, I think. Thank you, Christy Christy, for the diamond. I have to take this. I have to look it up now. I don't want to butcher the quote. Mencken, the whole aim. Okay. That was pretty close. H.L. Mencken, ladies and gentlemen, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Got to keep people safe. Got to keep people secure. It's never going to happen here. Don't panic. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> well, it's already happening. And a lot of people either don't know or don't care or are actually cheering for it. So, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this edition of The Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, follow me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive. Uh, your generosity is most humbling as always. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night, 6pm with another edition. Got some other stuff to get into. Brexit. I want to uh, cover a bit of ground on Brexit because we haven't even spoken about it yet. Too much else is going on and other things as well. Don't forget to follow our friends at RealPersonPLTCS at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, at UKNeil1979, at MrMerica, the Beard of Truth, at WinningTV. <coughs> Don't forget Irrational Times over there on YouTube. Um, Joy of Pessy, follow Joy of Pessy on DLive as well. Great Saturday nights watching crappy movies with the Joy Boys. It's a lot of fun and a lot of chill. 
So until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. I'm opening the chest right now.